Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace and mercy, your goodness, your compassion. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. And thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have life, abundant life, and eternal life. And I pray for anyone in this room who may not know that life just yet. I pray that they won't leave here without knowing that you love them and that Jesus died for them. And you prepared a home for us if we will turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ. Bless the moms today. I pray comfort those who need comforting. Strengthen those who need to be strengthened. Encourage them that need to be encouraged. And help us to remember be grateful for our moms. And most of all for you. Sending Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 1. And while you're turning, let me say thank you again to our moms. Amen. Thank you, moms. Appreciate that. And mom, if you get to see this later on Facebook Live, thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. Thank God for our moms today. Amen. For the thousands of diapers that you changed, some of them non-disposable for many of you, for the thousands of meals that you cooked, and the thousands of loads of laundry that you have done, and for the many, many times you encouraged us when we were not really all of that good. I remember it was about the last time my mom heard me preach. She said this to me, and I will never forget it, Mom. She said as we were in the kitchen after I preached that sermon, she said, Son, I want to say to you what the father said to his son. And she said, You are my son in whom I am well pleased. And I've never forgotten that. Thank God for our moms and the encouragement that they've given us over the years. Can I tell you a secret? Come up here a little closer. I got two brothers. I'm the middle child, but I was my mom's favorite, okay? <laughs> Isn't that right, Mom? My brothers will tell you that. We kind of rib each other about that. But that doesn't mean that I never got in trouble, okay? I probably had more spankings than all the people on one side of the room here, okay? Um, but my mom loved me, and one of the things that my mom did not want me to do was play football. I was kind of scrawny, and um, she probably didn't think I'd be very good anyway. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, my freshman year of high school, we started this football program at our high school, and uh, I wanted to play so badly. And my older brother, Steve, he was a junior, and he was playing, and he came, comes home from the first day of practice all excited. I don't know why my mom let him play, but not me. Maybe she didn't like him as much. I'm not sure. Just kidding, Steve, if you hear this. But he comes home from practice with all this football equipment, and uh, I got so excited, and my brother was excited, and my dad was maybe even a little excited. We talked my mom into letting me play football, and I actually did somewhat decently at it. Uh, my senior year, I was a captain on our football team. Now, before you get too impressed with that, you got to understand something. We lost pretty much every game. 
I was like a captain on a sinking ship, okay? <laughs> but our moms, they still believe in us. My mom still hated football, but she still came to the games. I think it was because she was afraid I was going to get hurt. She had to be there. Thank the Lord she didn't run out onto the field when I did get hurt, okay? But she was there. Moms, you probably have no idea how much impact you're making on this world. Question. How many of you know who Jeff Bezos is? All right, a few of you do. Jeff Bezos was the founder, starter of the company Amazon. How many of you heard of Amazon? Okay. He's the richest person in the entire world. At least he was at one time. It changes sometimes. It's like every month. But Jeff Bezos was born to a 16-year-old mom, married to a deadbeat dad who drank too much and was part of a unicycle troupe. I don't know what in the world that would be like. Do you think Jeff Bezos' mom had any idea how much her son would influence the world? How about Mark Zuckerberg? Anybody here know who Mark Zuckerberg is? A few more of you do. The founder of Facebook. Started it actually, I believe, while he was in college. How many of you have ever been on Facebook? Some of you, you've been on Facebook, haven't you? I'd like 30 people raise their hands, okay? You know, we're watching today by Facebook Live, some people are. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg's mom had a clue that her son would start a company like Facebook? Let me get a little more old school, okay? How about Walt Disney? Anybody here for Walt Disney? Okay. Yeah, old school, okay. You think Walt's mom had an idea when Walt was a kid and maybe drawing some cartoon pictures that he would become Walt Disney, the famous Disney Channel, Disney theme parks, Disney movies, all that stuff would come as a result of his vision? Probably not. Let me go really old school. How about Henry Ford? Do you think his mom knew? She saw Henry tinkering out in the garage one day and said, That Henry, one day he's going to revolutionize the transportation industry. Probably didn't have a clue. How about George Washington's mom? Do you think George's mom knew that he would be the father of this country called America, that would be the greatest country in the world? How about Abe Lincoln's mom? Do you think she knew that Abe Lincoln, her son Abe, would become one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had in this country? Probably not. You probably don't know the names of the moms of very many famous people, and to be honest, neither do I. Yet in so many ways, our moms are huge influencers in our lives. Think about it. You turn on the TV, and somebody gets their 15 seconds of fame. They don't say, hi, Dad. What do they say? Say it with me. Hi, Mom, right? They do. Before we dive too deeply into this message, I want to say a word to you ladies who might not be a mom. Maybe you couldn't have kids and you were unable to adopt kids, or maybe it just wasn't part of God's plan for you and your family, and that is absolutely okay. Listen, you are still extremely valuable. 
on Mother's Day or any other day. Thank God for the ladies of our church. Amen? Moms and non-moms. And some of you who are not moms, you, you are a mom to others. And thank you for helping to take care of our kids. And there may be some moms today who feel like failures. Maybe you haven't made all the decisions the way that you wanted to make them. Maybe things haven't turned out the way that you'd hoped that they would turn out. Listen, you are not a failure. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. Amen? I am who you say I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a child of the King. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Every one of us has made decisions. We probably wish that we could change. But don't you dare spend the rest of your life in a hole. Don't go around beating yourself up over past mistakes or present problems. Now, if you're still making poor choices, okay, stop, okay? By God's grace, turn around. The Bible calls that repentance. Turn around and stop making those bad choices and give your life to Christ and give your circumstances to Christ and follow Jesus Christ with all of your life. Amen? Because he knows how to live better than you do. Do you believe that? He knows what's better for your family than you do. Do you believe that? He knows what he's doing. Did you know that? Better than any of us. I got an amen over here. Thank you, James. All right. For some of you. Mother's Day is a tough day because your mom's gone. But still, today's a, a good day to remember and thank God for your mom. Or maybe your mom wasn't all that great. But at least she was unselfish enough to give birth to you. And thank God for that if you got nothing else. Well, today we're going to take a look at a mom who really wasn't very well known. And she had no clue about how God was going to use her. In fact, she was in a desperate situation. Somebody's trying to kill her baby. But she has this mother's instinct, and she'll do whatever she has to in order to make sure that he lives. I doubt that many of you even know her name, but you probably know her son's name. Her name was Jochebed. Say Jochebed with me. Jochebed. His name, you know what his name was? Moses. Right. Moses was not born into the most ideal of situations. Yet he became one of the central figures in all of history, not just in the Bible and not just in Jewish history, but in all of history. Moses was one of the most influential people who ever lived. Yet Moses was born during a difficult and desperate time. Go to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Why in the world would a mom do that? Why would she hide her child? Most people don't do that, do they? That's not the norm. Was the baby that ugly? No, the Bible says that Moses was a fine child. The word fine can actually mean good-looking. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I was a good-looking baby. Now ask the person who told you that, what happened? 
Now, if that's your wife or your mom, don't say that, okay? Going to ruin Mother's Day right there. The reason why Moses' mom hit him was because Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptians, wanted Moses and every other Israelite boy dead. But why? Well, at one time, the Pharaoh in charge liked the Israelites. Some of you may know the story. About 400 years earlier, before we get to Moses, a man by the name of Joseph was sold by his jealous brothers into Egypt. Joseph was one of 12 sons. Their dad was Jacob. Their grandpa was Isaac. You know who their great-grandfather was? Abraham. God said he would start this great nation through Abraham, and yet they didn't really grow very much very quickly. And now Jacob has 12 sons, and they would become the fathers of the tribes of Israel. But Joseph's brothers did not like him one bit. In fact, they hated him so much, they wanted to kill him. They didn't kill him. They compromised a bit. You know what they did? They sold him into slavery down into a foreign country called Egypt. But it was God's plan all along. Joseph went down to Egypt, and things did not start out very easily for him there, Terry. He served in the house of a man by the name of Potiphar. Say Potiphar with me. Potiphar, okay? And we're not talking it's a wonderful life, okay? Potiphar, okay? It wasn't very wonderful for Joseph down there. And while he is there, he's doing really well as a great servant to Potiphar, even though a slave. And Potiphar really trusts the guy. He's doing an awesome job. But Potiphar's wife sees Joseph. And Joseph was a very handsome young man. And Potiphar's wife decided she wanted him for herself. And Joseph, to his credit, ran away when she tried to make an advance at him. But Potiphar's wife lied and said Joseph was making an advance at her, and Joseph got thrown into prison, not because he did something wrong, because he did something right. And Joseph was in prison for years. But while he was in prison, he met a butler and a baker. And they had some dreams, and Joseph interpreted those dreams, and they turned out to be true. And the butler was restored to power, to favor with Pharaoh. And so he becomes one of Pharaoh's closer confidence, probably, guess time with Pharaoh. And uh, before he got back to his place with Pharaoh, Joseph said, remember me when you get up there, but the butler forgot about him. Some translations say the cupbearer. It's the cupbearer, the butler. But then Pharaoh had some dreams, and nobody could interpret those dreams. Dreams about skinny cows swallowing up sleek and fatter cows and scrawny little plants of wheat swallowing up healthier heads of wheat. Nobody could interpret it. And then the, the butler says, I know somebody who can interpret that dream. And he tells him about Joseph. And Joseph comes, interprets the dreams, and says, you need to get ready because you have some great years of harvest followed by some horrible years of famine. So God will allow you to be prepared if you will go ahead and store away. And Pharaoh is so impressed, he makes Joseph second in command of all of Egypt from a slave to second in command, the most powerful country in all the world at that time. 
and Joseph's family. There's about 70 people in the family. Now, they all moved to Egypt in order to be taken care of during the famine. And so everything is really chill for a while. But this is 400 years later. It's not just 70 Israelites in Egypt now. There's probably at least 2 million, maybe more. And the Pharaoh who is in charge now, Pharaoh is not the name of a person, the name of a title. You might think king or emperor. The Pharaoh who is in charge now feels threatened by these Israelites because there's so many of them and they keep multiplying. What happens if they try to take over? Pharaoh doesn't like the Israelites. They've gone exponentially in number since moving to Egypt and he feels threatened by them. So Pharaoh, by the way, Pharaoh isn't the name of a person. Just make sure you get that. Okay, it's the name of a title for a king or emperor. Pharaoh, we might say the king of Egypt, told the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1, verses 16 and 22. When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth, if it's a boy, kill him. Every boy that's born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So Pharaoh puts out an edict. He says, I want every baby boy, when they're born, I want them dead. And he tells the midwives who helped them deliver the babies to do that, which they didn't to their credit. But that's what they were told to do. And he wants to make sure, though, if they didn't die then, they're going to die. So what does Moses' mother do? Go to the middle of Exodus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among, among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Moses' mother loves her baby. And she wants to protect her baby. She doesn't know what to do. She is desperate. How many of you have ever been desperate? Put up both hands, okay? She is so desperate, she fixes this basket, and she puts Moses in it. She makes it where it will float, and she sticks him in the Nile River. Not because she doesn't love him, but because she loves him desperately. She's trying to save his life. Jochebed, that's the bomb, is desperate. As a good mother, she's doing whatever she can possibly do to save her son's life. She doesn't just give up and say, well, I guess my son's going to die. Nice knowing you, Mo. Doesn't do that, does she? Moses did everything she could to protect him and keep him safe. She is persistent. Say persistent with me. Persistent. God has called us to be persistent as well. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing. How many ever get tired? How many ever feel like quitting? Ever feel like giving up? He says, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, not in your timing, in due season, in God's timing, you will reap a harvest. If you faint not, if you don't quit, if you don't give up. You ever feel like giving up? You ever feel like quitting? You ever feel like, this isn't working very well for me. I'm done. Let me encourage you. 
Let me challenge you by the grace of God to rise up and follow Jesus Christ. To give him everything that you have. To trust in him when circumstances look amazing and when life looks like it's falling apart. You keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You keep on believing in him. You keep on trusting him. You keep on following him. He does not say, follow me and life will be easy. He says, follow me and I will be with you. I'll give you what you need. For every circumstance that you face, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. It's one of the great things about moms. Moms are persistent. My mom's probably like, I know Kevin's team's going to lose the football game. I know he should have stuck to piano lessons instead of playing football. But you know what? I'm showing up for the game. Because that's my boy out there. And I love them, and I care about them. And mom, if you're watching this later, I want to tell you, I think you're probably right. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have played football. Who knows? Maybe I could have been the next Jerry Lee Lewis. I doubt it, but maybe I should have stuck to piano lessons. I know this, Monique. If I wouldn't have played football, I could sleep on my left shoulder a little bit more because it wouldn't hurt at night. But my mom never stopped believing in me. And some of you moms, you've been like that with your kids. Let me encourage you to keep on believing in your kids. And maybe you think, well, I don't have a mom who's believing in me. You got somebody who's believing in you. His name is Jesus Christ. He loved you so much. He died for you, not because you're amazing, but because he saw you there in your sin, and he saw that you were helpless and hopeless without him. You were more helpless than hope and hopeless than Moses lying in a basket there, but Jesus Christ came to this earth for you. He died for you, and he wants to give you life abundant and eternal. Paul continues in Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know what? We all need to be encouragers. Look at the person next to you and say something encouraging into them. Say something encouraging. Think of something. Nice shoes, nice tie. Thanks for sitting by me. You don't sweat much for a fat person. Whatever you need to say. We get way too much discouragement in this world. We need to encourage one another. doesn't mean we always agree with one another. Let me encourage you to look for good. Man, people ought to want to see you coming because here comes Mr. Encouragement. Here comes Mrs. Encouragement. Here comes that person. They've always got something good to say to me. Not superficial, but real. We ought to be encouragers. God has called us to be persistent. But we must also trust in God's providence. Moses' mother hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed Moses in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Go to verses 4 through 6. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Did you catch all that? 
Pharaoh's daughter didn't just happen to go to that particular section of the Nile to bathe, did she? She didn't just happen to see baby Moses, and baby Moses didn't just happen to be crying, and Pharaoh's daughter didn't just happen to have compassion on him. It didn't just happen, did it? God orchestrated this all along. I wonder how many times God has protected us. I wonder if something like this has ever happened to you. You're running late for a meeting. It's up in Louisville, and you're in a hurry. You got to get there, and you got to get there fast. You walk out of your house, you get into your car in the driveway, and as soon as you get in the driveway, here comes your neighbor, and he's not the most encouraging person in the world. He's always got to complain about something. He walks over to your car, and he says to you, I noticed... Your grass is getting awful tall. I bet you hadn't mowed it in two weeks. What he doesn't know is your wife has been in the hospital and your kids got the flu and your mower's in the shop. But you say, thank you very much. I'll get right on that when I can. And then you hop in your car and you head out to Highway 65 and you're trying to get there as quickly as you can. You drive just a tidge over the speed limit. Maybe you shouldn't get to that later. But you notice when you get about halfway to Louisville, there's been a horrible car accident. Happened about five minutes before you got there. And if you wouldn't have got stopped by your neighbor, you might have been in it. You never know what God might do, watching out for you, protecting you. We have all been probably protected more times than we realize by the grace of God when we're aggravated and frustrated with the circumstances around you. You remember that your God is a God who is in charge. He is provident. He is sovereign. Trust in Him. Exodus chapter 2 gets even better. Go to verses 6 through 9. She, that's Pharaoh's daughter, opened the basket and saw the baby. He was crying. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Isn't that just like God? Not only is Moses' mother going to get paid for taking care of her own child, Moses is going to grow up in Egypt in the palace and God is preparing him to deliver his people. God was preparing Moses to be Israel's deliverer. God's providence combined with a mother's persistence. That's a powerful combination. God is using it every day all across the world. Although our mothers may not have been perfect, in so many ways, mothers have changed the world, have they not? One of the great things about our moms is even when we disappoint them, they love us anyway. There are many things about us they may wish they could change, but more than perhaps anyone else in the world, they love us with an unconditional love. Isn't that a little bit like God? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God saw you there in your sin. And he came to this earth. And he died for you on a cross. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrate his love for you. And that while you were yet a sinner, 
Jesus Christ came to this earth. He said, I'll die for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Think about how much Jesus Christ loved you. He bore your sin on the cross because he loves you. John 3.16 says this, perhaps you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the question of the hour. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as the one who died for you on the cross and rose from the dead? Have you given your life to Christ? By God's grace, if you have not done that yet, I challenge you, I urge you, I plead with you, by God's grace, to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for you and as your Lord in charge of your life. He loves you. He came for you. He wants to live inside you and one day give you a home in heaven. But just because Jesus loves you, that's not an excuse for mediocrity. He doesn't say, I love you, so live however you want to live. By the way, your mom doesn't do that either, does she? No, a really good mom, be like my mom or Monique's mom or many of your moms, they love you even when you blow it. They love you even when, they, when you fail. But I used to say my mom's like heavenly sandpaper. She's usually right, but I didn't like it very much. God is calling you not just to put your trust in Jesus and pray a prayer and one day go to heaven, God is calling you to follow him with every fiber of your being. The Bible says if you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You might say, well, why in the world would I want to do that? I got a pretty good life right now. Maybe you do. But I can tell you this, if you want your life to make an impact that's going to last forever in the greatest way possible, you follow Jesus Christ. You follow him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, because he wants to use you for his glory. He's going to reward you one day in heaven as you follow him. Jeff Bezos was born the son of a 16-year-old mom and a deadbeat dad. Jeff would later say, I won the lottery with my mom. I may not know a lot about your mom or your dad. You may not feel like you won the lottery with them, but I'll tell you this. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you follow him as your Lord in charge of your life, you got something a whole lot better than winning the lottery. You have God living inside of you. You have God empowering you. You have a home in heaven that no amount of money could ever buy. And he's calling you to personal relationship with him that changes your life forever. Thomas Edison said this about his mom. My mother was the making of me. She was so true, so sure of me, and I felt I had someone to live for. And that may be a noble thing, to live for your mom. But I tell you something that's a whole lot better. 
And that's living for Jesus. By the power of God, trusting in him, following him. The one who died for you and raised back to life. The one who wants to live inside you and empower you for living moment by moment and day by day. Abraham Lincoln once said, I regard no man as poor who had a godly mother. And mom, if you ever hear this sermon, I just want to say thank you for being a godly mom. And thank you for Monique, Monique also for supporting me and for being there to help us raise up Michaela to follow Jesus. To quote a Spanish proverb, an ounce of mother's worth a pound of clergy. Listen, I love all of you. But I'm probably not going to pray for you 16 times a day like your mom does individually by name. But we got a lot of moms who are crying out to God every single day, sometimes every single hour for their kids. Thank God for moms who are crying out to God for their kids. Some days, mom, you may not feel like you're all worth all that much. Sometimes you might feel like you're failing. Sometimes you may feel like Molly over here. Molly's trying. She got her Northside t-shirt on. There's a part of her trying to follow Jesus. She's even sacrificed her smartphone for a flip phone to take care of her kids. But she's still struggling. Sometimes she feels green with envy. Sometimes she doesn't even feel like she's real. Let me encourage you. Even on those days when you don't feel like this is all real. You follow Jesus anyway. He loves you. He came to this earth to die for you. And he wants to give you life eternally with him. Forever and ever, his love is greater than anyone's love could possibly be. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as the one who died for you, and rose from the dead. Today's your day. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we have a Savior who died for us. Who rose from the grave. And one day is coming back for us. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you today may feel like, I've just been knocked down too many times. I don't want to get back up. Let me tell you something. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Some of you feel like quitting today. I just don't want to do this anymore. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. But you have a God who loves you more than even a mom can love you. More than a dad can love you. More than anybody can love you. More than your husband or wife could love you. More than you could love your own kids. And he's calling you to get up and follow him. Some of you may not be real sure today whether you know Jesus or not. Today's your day. Nail it down. Give your life.
to Jesus Christ. Give your life to him. No, I'm not going to say follow Jesus and you'll have lots of money and live in a big house and drive a nice car and feel healthy all the time. That's not what the Bible teaches. I'm not saying follow Jesus and your life will be easier. But here's what I am saying, because it says it in the Word of God. If you follow Jesus Christ in view of eternity, it will be much, much better. Because you'll be living out the purpose that God has created you for. And you're going to make an impact in this world like you could not make without Him. That's going to change people's lives. Not just for a few years, but forever. He's calling you to be part of that. For some of you, God might be leading to join this church. To help us as we seek to be instruments of God to impact this community, and this world with the love of Jesus Christ. Whatever God is saying to you today, say yes to him. Privately for some, perhaps publicly as someone did in the first service of baptized this morning, say yes to Jesus Christ.